You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs> This podcast probably since I started. I think you were one of the first people I really wanted on the podcast. You, and I'll, I'll tell you why. All well, the whiskey I just spilled your fucking whiskey. Bill bought me whiskey as a gesture of thank you for doing the podcast, and, and then he literally it. just <laughs> fucking dumped it all out on the fucking grass. Now the grass is fucking the fake grass. The fake grass is drunk. <laughs> so uh, I think one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the most is because you've always really intrigued me as a person and as a comic. And I, I kind of always saw you at the club. You'd go on right. and you would murder. And you're one of these people, one of the few comics I know, who has a, for lack of a better um, adjective, like a laconic pace kind of. Right. Who isn't doing one-liners. Like a lot of people who do like a laconic kind of energy or just lower energy, they're just sort of the Stephen Wright or Anthony Jeselnik. Anthony yeah. And you tell like long, protracted stories and that pace. And that requires... An unbelievable amount of skill that I don't think people really realize. Right. And I know that for me, uh, even now and particularly starting out, I feel like I have to shoot out of the gate like a frigging cannon just to just to get validation, just to get attention and do thong straps and all this crazy shit. Um, so I've always really kind of envied your, your ability to do that. Um, we can talk about that. How it started was I'm originally from Charlotte, North Carolina. So when I moved to L.A. in 2001 – Thick southern drawl, like very like Geechee. You couldn't, you could barely understand me. What does Geechee mean? Like, don't like that, that, that boy, that, that, you know, you can't even get nothing like that. I'm just, I didn't sound like that, but that's how people made it seem like I sounded. Um, and I was a storyteller and I would mumble sometimes because I knew the joke was funny in my head, yeah. But the way I delivered it was like, y'all should be laughing because this is blah blah. I was like, yeah, man, so then blah blah blah. So my one of my first managers, her name was Sharon Martin. She uh, was like, "You got to work on your enunciating." She was like, "You got to get a speech coach, and you got to get it get it together." And I was like, "I don't have no money for a speech coach, but what I do have is the ability to slow down." Yeah, because I used to tell stories, but I would tell them a little faster. One because I grew up in the urban comedy scene, black comics, pow 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 pow, out yeah. of the gate, a lot of energy, all over the place, very physical, and I was never that guy. I could be, I don't want to be. Yeah. And I want to separate myself from the pack. Yeah. So there's not a lot of storytellers in comedy. The the audience has been trained to just want more faster. So when I come on stage, Jamie used to make me follow Delia all the time. He would make me follow, he would make me follow Cook Dane. Yeah. All the time. That, I think that was the, the trial by fire for a lot of comics coming Absolutely. out of the factory. But I would go on, do what I do, yeah, and I would have the audience. And Jamie would be like, "Buddy, you, you're so strong. You go on stage and you just, you just, you just. I like what I see. I like it. You're going to be great, big star one day. That's it. Yeah. So that's how I've always been, and it's unexpected. And I learned this from Christopher Titus, which I didn't realize I was doing until he pointed out, but Christopher Titus has this thing where he goes on stage, he talks low, mm-hmm. 
if you talk low when you first go on stage, the crowd will be like, oh, shit, we can't hear him. What the fuck? Like, yeah. And then as they get quiet, you turn the volume up in your voice. Now you control ah. the room. I'm never going to match anybody's energy ever. Yeah. That's not, it's not a competition in that sense. And like, if I go on stage after JB Smooth, I can't match JB Smooth's energy. Yeah. I can't match fucking Dane Cook's energy. But what I can do is offer a substitute or something different. And that's what I would do. Yeah. But it was mostly because I wanted to slow down. And we don't work on commission. If I can go on stage, I get, I do the comedy in Magic Club a lot. So they average about nine to 10 minutes per comic. Here we do 20 minutes, 15, depending on the night. The comedy in Magic Club, I can do two bits in nine minutes. Yeah. But it's layered Cosby-ish in the sense of I'll tell a joke, it'll have some jokes inside of the joke, but I'm staying on brand about what I'm talking about. Yeah. And I just try to get that one big bit out. Yeah. People don't do people don't do bits anymore. Interesting. Really? You, not long bits. You may have like a quick bit or whatever, but nothing where it's like no one's willing to take a nine-minute journey. Yeah. No one's willing to take a 10-minute journey to tell a joke. I have a nine-minute to 10-minute bit. I do them on the road. I can't do them here because it would literally take a warm-up and a setup to even do it, and I don't have enough time to introduce it. Ah, interesting. So uh, you said you started in, you're from South Carolina. North. North Carolina. North Carolina yeah. Where in North Carolina again? Charlotte. Charlotte, North Carolina. I don't know much about Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm from Virginia, obviously. But um, so My uncle's from Richmond. Oh, okay. Ooh, Richmond. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty scary place. Is it Richmond? Dude, Richmond is interesting. The whole state of Virginia is interesting. It's like yes. Virginia is like the biggest rest stop in between civilizations. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because you got North Carolina, you got Charlotte, that's the city. Mm-hmm. You got Raleigh. But the in between Virginia, there's, there's nothing until you get to D.C. Maybe yeah. Alexandria, yeah. Fairfax area or whatever. Is it Potomac Mill Mall? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that shit like that. But outside of that, there's nothing in Richmond. There's nothing in Hampton. Maybe Virginia Beach is okay. Best club I've ever, one of the best clubs I've ever played is Virginia Beach Funny Bone, though. Oh, really? I don't know what it was about that week I had, but every joke landed. Every joke was received. The crowds were great. And I was featuring for somebody, and they really made me feel like you're not, they made me feel like, you know, you're getting paid more than what you are, but I wasn't. Yeah, you know, you're bigger than what you are, but I wasn't, and I resented featuring so much at the time because I was going out on the road with people that I was funnier than. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. That's. We. We can get to that. I want. I want to kind of get to your uh, your story from uh, from birth until now because uh, this is you know this is something interesting about this podcast for me is I've been. Uh, learning a lot about people that I've admired that I had no idea what their story is. Right. You know, because uh, I just know you as someone who's been in the game for a while. Right. Um, uh, and I remember one of the first things that was really fascinating to me about you is, I forget, I, we talked briefly about this. Uh, you took a break from comedy for how, how long? I think I did like three months. Three months, which... Is such a terrifying idea to me, but the idea that you were like you had the confidence to do that, and I remember when you came back after three months. I think mm-hmm. I might have been there that night, or yeah. maybe that week, and I was curious to see how it would go because for me, if I don't perform 
in a week, I get back on stage and I'm like, what the fuck am I talking right, about? Right, 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 right. And I felt like you just hit the ground running and your material was so – whatever happened in those three months, I felt like it galvanized your comedy in a way. You know what I did, man? I stopped trying to be funny. I know it sounds pompous, but I was trying not to go look for material. I just used what I had and my life is material. I have enough that's happened in my life where I don't have to go outside of myself to get material for at least 10 years. Wow. If I just told the stories about growing up, where I'm from, we could just do that now. I can tell yeah, you now. I'd love to hear that. I was born and raised in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, my mother and father stayed together until probably I was in the first or second grade. And my dad moved out, moved in, moved back home with his with my grandmother. And my grades took a dip. Oh, wow. Because it was just me. It was me, my mom, and my dad for three years. No and then my brother. Sisters. My brother came three years later. Okay. But my dad was so hands-on in the house because he would. It was a couple of times where he wasn't working. My mom worked. And my dad would stay at home with us all day. And he would, like, help us with our homework. He would walk us to school because the school was behind the house. He would walk us to school, pick us up, bring us back. It was just always somebody at the house. We were never like away from my parents. And when my dad moved out, it 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 did something because one, he wasn't there. Yeah. Two, it, something was missing. I was like, oh, we we used to having you know we used to having lunch at this time and dinner at this time, and then we would wrestle at this time, and then we would work on homework at this time. Like we had structured discipline. Like it was a system. Yeah. You know, we would go pick my mom up from from work when she got off. Then come home, my dad already had dinner going because, you know, and then he had a job working at night. So we would go pick him up from work at night. My mom and my brother, we would go pick my dad up. It was a system. And then when my dad left, it just the system got off hand. I had to go to counseling because I started taking on the responsibilities that my father had. I wouldn't go to sleep. I, fucking Bill, I would be up. Seven years old, I'm up. At two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, got school the next day. Up, mopping, dusting the house, wow. windows, taking food. I'm I'm taking food out of the refrigerator to put on the counter in the stove, so when mom get up in the morning to cook breakfast, it'll be already there waiting on her, not knowing that butter melts <laughs> and fucking you know eggs go bad. If you you know it's just different shit I was doing, but. I was just trying to do all the things that my dad did. And yeah. then my mom was like, that's not your responsibility. I would go to school. I'd be in class, like, dozing off. Like, I probably needed coffee or something. But I was just trying to pick up the the pieces from my dad. You're trying to establish a routine yeah. that was now gone. The routine was important to us. Yeah. The, the routine, getting up, getting ready. My dad was like, get in the shower right now. Get dressed right now. Put your lotion on. Like, it was a – my dad was – it was – Military. No, my dad, no military training. My grandmother was just a bitch, and she <laughs> instilled this fear and discipline in my father that he passed on to us. Even though a part of me, I feel like he didn't want to. He didn't know any other way to go. Yeah. So he just they took what he learned from her, even though he hated it and despised it. And just like, I don't have the imagination to come up with a better learning system. Just we're going to do what my mom used to do to me. And I was like, well, I guess we're going to be miserable <laughs> like you because you're miserable. Yeah. Um, 
Dan was, was he abusive in any way? Was it no. physically? No. No. Just no. It's just discipline. he. My dad had a weird sense of humor. He could only, you could only be you could only tell jokes when he wanted to tell jokes, and that didn't work for me. He uh, used to have. I'm old, so my dad used to have the real to real. The, the real to real tapes. Yeah, and listen to Richard Pryor. Oh wow. So my dad would like take this fucking movie projector film and stick it on his machine and then, you know, whittle it through this machine and then and then turn it on and it would just start rolling and he would just be in the room by himself with the door shut. Like my dad would sit in the room and listen to Richard Pryor and I would like come in the door like, what? you laughing, you giggling. I want to giggle and laugh. What the fuck is going on in here? Like, Get out of here. You can't listen to this shit. And then I heard Richard Pryor say something. And the motherfucker said, I was like, is somebody in this room cussing? You don't want me to listen to cussing? <laughs> he wouldn't let me listen to uh, Richard Pryor, but then in like 2000, not 2000, goddamn, 1983, we got cable for the first time. Mm. Didn't know what cable was. My dad came home with a converter box. It was fucking that, probably two times that size. The po- the podcast mixer, these points. Yeah, the out. podcast mixer was like, it was a big ass converter box, like a, yeah. like a, like a Xbox. Yeah. Dad hooked it up to the TV, fucking converter box as big as the goddamn TV. And he turned it on. He was like, look at that. And I was like, what are we looking at? Look at it. And he started changing more channels. Because back in the day, your TV only went up to like channel 13. And you may yeah. go to like the 34 and 56. And then, like, and then the rest is just fucking snow because there's undeveloped countries out there. And he turned his cable on. And I was like, oh, my God, this TV went past 14, 15, 16. There's cartoons. What is this? That's Mickey Mouse. This is Nickelodeon. I didn't even know what Nickelodeon was. But it was like all these different channels came on. I was like, this is amazing. And then Fraggle Rock came on. I'm like, Fraggle Rock? What the fuck is Fraggle Rock? <laughs> like, this whole new world. Your brain opened up. There's a door in your brain opened up. It was like there's a whole new world behind this door. And I went in it. Yeah. Got hooked on TV. And the first comedy special my dad let me watch was Bill Cosby himself. And how old were you then? Seven. Seven. Wow. Did you did you relate to to Bill Dude, I was on the fucking floor. Wow. Now he shot the special in 81 in Toronto and then it came out like 83 yeah. on TV. Bill, I sat there. I was dying laughing. Like the bits was just killing. Then the second comedy special I saw after Bill Cosby was 85. It was a uh, Whoopi Goldberg. She did a one-woman show from Broadway. That. Yeah. Dude, let me tell you how much I love that special. I had a jukebox, like a you know the big recorders that people used to have back in the day, big radio. They would go, de- you know, uh, break dance with and shit, yeah. carry on their shoulders. I had one of those radios. You had the recorder button on it. I put a blank tape in the in the in the radio, put the radio in front of the TV, and recorded off the TV the entire special so I could listen to it. On like a Sony Walkman, type on of a thing? Walkman, or take the tape with me someplace. I had to listen. The shit had that much of a hold on me. Yeah. And then the next special I saw, I was nine going on ten. Stephen Wright did a special. It was on HBO. The the, the, the HBO special, because everything started off with a skit. So he was like laying in a bed in a cabin in the desert someplace. And then he just like woke up and he looked around, you know, looking like Stephen Ray does and he just started, he walked out of. That is a phone call coming in. Through your TV. I mean, yes. You want to take it? No, no, I'm not taking this. I can't take it. Who face? Who FaceTimes? 
Doing a podcast. Doing a, po- doing a podcast. I gotta go. <laughs> Who FaceTimes? Un- 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 I don't like unsolicited FaceTime. Um, the next part, the next question was, uh, Stephen Wright walked through the desert and he walked into this, like literally dude, Stephen Wright's brain was like, I'm gonna get up, walk through the desert. It made it seem like he had walked a long way. And then he walked into this room, opened up a door and he walked out on the stage. I think I remember that. Yeah. Dude, I watched that shit at least five times. And. I shouldn't have understood his humor at 10. Yeah. But he would go and say, you know, the funny thing about that, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's funny. He had me dying. So then Cosby, Whoopi, Stephen Wright. Now I got this taste for blood in my mouth for comedy. Then I started watching the, the Rodney Dangerfield Young Comedian Specials, Roseanne. Tim Allen, Sam Kennison, Robert Townsend, Bill Hicks, all these motherfuckers on here. I'm dying laughing. Even the even the ones that were shitty, I'm still laughing because I don't know any better. Jake Johansson. Oh, yeah. I used to watch all the half hours. Jake Johansson had one, watched his whole shit. Ellen had one, watched it. Ellen used to bomb. When I say bomb, she, on TV? Oh my God. Even when she was on TV, her half hour specials were not strong. They were not strong, but you could just see it was something there. Yeah. You know what I mean? So then I just watched all these specials and then I just started telling jokes. I got into a rhythm. I had to have my own look. I had, a, I had this Jackie Mason cadence about me. So when you say you're telling jokes, so you're nine years old at this point. You were telling jokes for like your dad and your brother? Dad, brother, friends. Like we would go to family reunions. I would just start roasting people. So would they, would they, would you're like, hey, our our son is funny. Listen, you sort of do shows for them? No, my mom, my my dad, first of all, my dad was not for it. He was not what? He was not for comedy, for me doing comedy. Oh, wow, okay. Was not on board. The, the, I'm going to do comedy train. Dad never got on board with that train. My dad was like. My dad's thinking was, Richard Pryor already exists. You're my son and I love you, but I don't think you're better than Richard. I don't, yeah. think, I don't think anyone would be better than that guy. Like, my dad didn't think anyone could be better than Richard. You know what I mean? I guess that's... That's a crazy idea that, well, why play football? Tom Brady exists. Yeah, man. like, fucking McDonald's exists. Why even make Burger King? It's the one person already <laughs> sells burgers. Why would you do it more? You know what I mean? Or try to open it up. But... He didn't, he didn't see it like that. So family reunions, I would be sitting around, walking around the table, fixing plates. I would just crack jokes on people. Or I'd be like, did y'all see the commercial? Back, this is how old I am. It used to be a, a diet pill called Dexatrim. <laughs> I used to make these jokes about, yo, Dexatrim and blah, blah, blah. And I would try to do my best to say words as close as curse words as I could. Because I felt like I wanted to curse. Because I felt comments curse. I was like, I got to curse. Can you give me an example you. of that? What cursing? I mean, could you give me an example uh, of like what, what you mean by that? You you would try to come as close as possible as cursing without cursing. Um, Do you remember your first jokes that you would say in front of people? I would just say like I would you know all my jokes were just me roasting people. Like I would just talk shit about people, and I would like ah my cousin Doina, she's fucking big bitch, and uh, she's been big like she's been big all like this this bitch has been big. All, she's been a planet all her fucking life. And I was like, oh, my God, we need to put her, we need to give her a Dexatrim milkshake, like sneak it in her food or whatever. And everybody was like, oh, my God. Like, they just, it was funny. 
Yeah. And that's how I got into it. And then when I turned 13, I was like, I wanna do, I'm going to do it. So at this point, from 9 to 13, are you thinking in your head, this is an actual viable plan as an adult, as a person? Didn't know money was involved. Yeah. I just wanted to do it. Yeah. That's, that's when it was the most... At 13, when I decided I wanted to do comedy, it'll never be that pure ever again. Because I didn't know I could be a millionaire, cars, drugs, women, TV. Like, I didn't know. I was just like, these people just do comedy. They must have part. They must have jobs elsewhere, whatever. I didn't know what it was. 13, I was like, I want to do it. Started researching, watching stuff. Watch all the Def Jam, Martin Lawrence, Half Hours, uh... Martin Lawrence came into the picture. Chris Tucker came into the picture. Started seeing more black comics. But I was I didn't like, I thought they were funny, but I didn't want to do what they were doing, which was be physical and, mm-hmm. and overly animated or whatever. But the person that made me want to do it the most was Eddie Murphy. I got introduced to Eddie Murphy through my dad, but only on Saturday Night Live. When Eddie was on SNL, he would do Gumby and Mr. Rogers. Yeah. My my dad made us go to bed every night. You had to be in the bed by 8.30 every night, even in the summertime. Goddamn sun is up outside. We still in the bed. Like, what the f- You can hear kids outside playing. Like, what the fuck is really going on? And I was looking at my brother like, did we do something wrong? Like, why are we in bed? Dad, go to bed. So he would. we knew something was special about Eddie Murphy for my dad to let us stay up to 11.30. On a Saturday night, we were like, we would look at the clock like, Whoa. it's that time. But my dad was like, no, nah, we're going to let y'all stay up. I was like, what are we, is it Christmas? Like, why are we able to stay up? Let us stay up, turn on SNL. I just started laughing, dude. He did the Gumby, and he just started talking crazy. I'm laughing. Mr. Rogers, fucking dying. Do you do the little... The lounge singer guy that would do with Pishka, Pishkabo, le- yeah. dying. He would do Buckwheat, dying. God damn Fucking, uh, you popular. Oh, God. Um, Sorry. He, uh, he, just, he just let us watch it. Now, I just like, oh, my God, this is hilarious. But he would not let us watch his stand-up. So when my mom and dad separated, I guess my mom's rebellious gift to me, mm-hmm. she rented Delirious. And brought it home. Oh, wow. And let me watch it. Now, was that his first or second? First one. Delirious is in the red suit. That's right. At Constitution Hall in D.C. And I think he did that, I'm going to say 83, 80, 83, 84 is Delirious. Yeah. And my mom rented it from video store, brought it home. We sat and do, I don't think I ever laughed so hard. I was just dying laughing. And I was like, my mom became the coolest mom ever because she let me watch this with profanity and was not like, don't close, close your ears, nothing. She was just like, just watch it. Yeah. My dad would have made me leave the room. So uh, let me get the, the layout here. You're, at this point, your parents are separated. My, my parents separated probably, I had just turned seven. Seven. So when you watch this, are you, was, it, was there any kind of, not competition between mom and dad, but were you staying? Who were you staying? Who were you living with? Your dad or your mom? My mom. Your mom. Yeah. So when you we had a house, my dad moved in, moved back home with my grandmother. With, yeah, with his mom. 
so that was nearby. Yeah, probably like fifteen minutes away. So the relationship between your mom and dad was obviously amicable enough that they no, no, no. I was, did you feel like you had to choose at times? No, it wasn't no choosing. My dad left. It was no like. Oh, your dad left. Left. He left the house. Okay. To go live with my grandmother. Did you ever? Did you ever? I mean, we don't have to get into that, but was yeah. that something that you? I can imagine that as a as a boy. I know this may be kind of, but I feel like your dad is sort of the most important thing in a way, right? That's he, at the time to. he was, yeah. So, did you ever have resentment towards your mom about this? Was it something that you kind of? I never resented with? my mom because my dad showed his true. I ain't gonna say he showed his true colors. He didn't make it easy to root for him. Ah. You know what I mean? Like he he didn't do he he made it hard to root for him because he would still be disciplinary, mm-hmm. but he was never around. And my brain's like, you're not here, what are you doing? Yeah. Two, he 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 him and my mother started to argue more. And my dad has a very deep voice or whatever. And I would, like, tell him, you know, Mom, y'all stop arguing. He would tell me, be quiet. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, and he never, you know, most parents, you know, you take the kid one weekend, I take the kid one weekend, or I'll have him during the week, you get him on the weekends or whatever. That was never in place. My dad never got us. He, Not that he didn't, not that he didn't try, he didn't want he didn't want that. Oh wow! He didn't want that. My dad didn't want. My dad did not want to have us on the weekends. He yeah. he never put himself in a position to even get a place. He stayed with my. He moved back home with my grandmother. When I graduated from high school, that's when he finally got his own place. Wow. Have you now? Have you talked to your dad about this stuff? Is this stuff that you've kind of felt like the need to sort I of? I put in address? a book. I wrote a book. Oh, you did write a book. I'm writing a book. Well, I've written a good portion of it. Is about. Honestly, I can write a book about my mom. I can write a book about my dad. I can write a book about my childhood separately. Relationships I've been in, my kids, and just comedy. Like, I I know for a fact if I just sat down, I got 10 books in me. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. 10 books in me. Um, My dad came to me one day. He was like, um, you know, what are you going to go to school for? I wanted my dad to be proud of me. So I was like, I played football. Shouldn't play football. Why? 5'2", 5'3", 75 pounds. Were you fast? And that is not a racial joke. Fast. Yeah. Fast, not strong. Yeah. Fast, but not strong enough to take an impactful blow. Right? Yeah. I played football because I thought if I played football, my dad would come back home. Wow. I do it as a joke now, but I play football. Like if I play football, he'd be like, oh, my son played football. I need to come back home. My dad went to one football game. I played for two years. And one day I got hit so hard, I was like, fuck this. Fuck this. The person I'm doing this for not even here. I'll figure out another way to get him to come back home. Yeah. And I just stopped playing football. Oh, wow. And so you're 13. And this is when you go, I want to do this comedy stuff. Yeah. You're living with your mom. And your dad is around, but not around. He's around, but not around. Yeah. And at this point, you're, you're. It sounds like you got really focused on comedy. Absolutely. Was it? Was it sort of a substitute for? It made my mom else? laugh. Made your mom laugh. If I could make my mom laugh, I was good. Yeah. My mom, my grandmother. That's the only two people I wanted to make laugh. Yeah. 
mom, grandmother, and girls I liked. <laughs> yeah, of course. That's it. And when in high school, were you like a what was? Because I, I, when I when I think about something like you, I, I can't imagine you as anything different than who you are and what you are now. I was a very sarcastic. Uh, I was the I was the uh, you nobody was fucking me because of how I look. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Like it was like you're not fucking me because of looks. He wasn't fucking me because I got money. He wasn't fucking me because yeah. you know I'm tall. Or I play sports. I was funny. Yeah, you had to be funny. Mm-hmm. It was no. I had no choice but to be funny. I was in the theater. I was in the uh, drama department, so I did plays and stuff like that. But you know the stigma of a drama department is you fucking you gay if you play. You was a drama whatever, but. I wasn't gay, but I, I did drama. I did run track, so I did do that, and I played basketball. Okay. But I didn't play basketball for the school. I played, like, um, AAU basketball, which is, like, the equivalent of like high school basketball. traveling team, like traveling soccer team. Yeah, but basketball. it's like uh, a lot of colleges look at AAU teams. Okay. So I played AAU. Um, and then I just started, like, I would go like get home from school my mom would go to bed like at like eleven. Def Jam would come on at twelve. I'd just be up. Did she know, or is it the type of thing you'd sneak down? She knew, and- but she didn't know what I was watching. She knew I was watching comedy, but yeah. she didn't know how gratuitous and graphic and dirty it was and raunchy. But I would be downstairs, dude. I would have a TV low, and I would just listen. I'd be fucking in tears, crying, laughing. In two thousand fifteen. I went on stage for the first time. I mean, not 2015. Jesus, I was like, what? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, when I was 15, I went on stage for the first time. So 15, so yeah, that's, I guess, in the, in the 90s or something like that, or no, the 80s or whatever. 90, God, I feel dumb. I said 2015. Uh, <laughs> I was like, why you Because I, I was thinking about my age was 15, but yeah, I was yeah. like, um, like 19... 1993, I went on stage for the first time. 15. And this is in, so this is in Charlotte. Charlotte at the Comedy Zone. At the Comedy Zone, which is still around. Yeah, still around. The reason I got on stage because we went, I had my girlfriend was a year older than me. And Charlotte had this thing where they say, hey, kids, don't go out and drink and get hotels and fuck and have fun. Come to a comedy club and hang out and we'll give you punch and popcorn and cake so you don't go out and make mistakes. And we'll have comedians to make you laugh. Oh, wow. And yeah, these are ki- these are comics that are younger. Or no, old? these are like older comics, so yeah. they like got to go on stage. Imagine Alonzo Bowden doing a college now. Yeah, imagine Robert Klein doing a college for nineteen year olds and twenty. Like they don't want to hear nothing you have to say. Yeah. So the comics were going to say like, ah. and they would all do like, so who went to the prom? Like. Ah. You know, just you know these people now. Like when you were young, you know this is a terrible comic. But now you know these people. You're like you're a terrible comic. Like I know this person. So the comics were going on stage, and guys started bombing. Wow. And then someone said, "Mirage, go on stage." And I'm like, "I'm going on stage." And so I, wait, wait, hold on. They said go on stage. So is that spontaneous? It was that spontaneous. But the guy was like, "Who wants to come on stage?" And I was like, "I'm going on stage." So you knew you've been prepping for this moment. Prepping, prepping for it, seized the moment, went on stage, told a couple of jokes, and got off. Like, literally. Literally. Couple, so you have two minutes, three minutes? Probably like three. Back then, three three minutes and never doing it before. Time. God damn. 
and you think you're on stage for like a week. He's like, what the <laughs> fuck did I just do? Um, first Jake I the first joke yeah, I I'm, told. I'm curious about that. How many people spend a lot of money to impress somebody they already had sex with? <laughs> I said that. Still a good joke, by the way. Dude. <laughs> and people are like, it's funny, but it's like a very adult or whatever, because we all at the prom. We're like, how many people out here went out and bought a tuxedo and got the car clean and have sex with somebody that you done had sex with before? Yeah. And I like doing this right here. And my girlfriend's in the audience, whatever. But people laughed at it. Yeah. It was, and I just cracked some jokes about how dumb the prom was and what, how we fucking had to go eat at Red Lobster and wait in line. I just did all topical yeah. prom shit and got off. And it's probably killing, right? Oh, God. People dying laughing because it's relatable. Yeah. I just, I never, I've never been a go read the headlines guy. Yeah. I just like whatever's happening in my life. I try to be as relatable as, as possible. That's why I do a lot, like 90%, about 80% of my material is relationship, dating, men and women, mm-hmm. whatever. And uh, so you started having, I was a late bloomer, but I, if you had a girlfriend at 15, you were probably already having sex, obviously, at 15. Yeah. I, um, honestly, the first time I had sex, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Why not, man? Come on. Keep drinking that bullet. Tell more stories. This first time we had sex. What, why is that a bad story? The first time because it was the best. The first time I had sex. Well, I'll take, I'll take this back. First time I had sex, I was molested by cousins. Okay, maybe not the not the spe- no, I'm kidding. Yeah. So you're molested by cousins? I had two female cousins that were older than me, probably like five or six years older than me. Uh huh. I was like six. Yeah. And they kind of like. Not at the same time. You got Whitney Houston. I got Houston. <laughs> so, oh, not same. So separately. Yeah, they separately. So, like, what? Like, one was from New York, so she would only come down during the summer, and fucking fondle me. You must have been adorable. I was. I was a heartbreaker. Oh yeah, they were like, he's so cute. I'm gonna touch him inappropriately. So, oh, and then I had damn. another cousin who she was lived in Charlotte. Anytime our families got together or whatever, she hung out. That bitch would pull me away from everybody else and play Operation Doctor. Now, do you think that – I've thought about that a lot. Do you think stuff like that was innocent? Do you think that in her head, do you think, oh, this is innocent, this is what kids do? Or do you think there was something more nefarious that she knew that this was a very – I feel – I believe she did know it was nefarious because here's the thing. She would take me away from everybody. Yeah. Lock doors. Get behind this. You knew you weren't supposed to be doing like, like, even if you didn't know it was wrong to do it to me, you still knew it was wrong just to be doing it. Yes. So that was like my very first encounter. Now, so, was that sex, sex, like penetration? No, not, no, 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 no. It was just more like, I'm going to touch this, I'm going to rub this, I'm going to kiss this, and you're yeah. going to do this to me. Like, I was more like instructed to what to do to them. Do you look at that and say, is that something you have anger about or resentment? Or do you look at that and say, that's just kind of grown up and I'm okay with it? Have you talked to your no, cousins? No, I've, um, so that's what the book is about. Oh, wow. My book is about that. Because I'm 43 years old. I'm a black man. I'm not married. I have issues dating women. I have trust issues. And I, I used to, for a long time, only equate value if you desire me sexually. Because that's how it was introduced to me. Completely understand that. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if you didn't want me physically, what the fuck am I good for? Yeah. Like, I only want to provide sexual value 
And if you didn't want me sex first, everything else is second. Yeah. That's how I dated for so many years. So the book is really about the my parents being together, the breakup, them breaking up, allowing my cousins to be able to have time with me. Because if my parents were together, my dad wouldn't have let me like scurry off. Yeah. Or my mom would have like had me scurry off. But when you're a single parent mom or single parent dad or whatever, and you got kids, plural, you can't keep your eye on all of them. Yeah. Especially if you like at a family function. You should think my kids are safe. I'm I'm around family. I shouldn't have anything to worry about. But no, that happened. So the book is about me uh having trouble dating. Um the 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 sex drop the the, the 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 sexual uh precariousness of it mm-hmm. or whatever. Um it's just a lot. It's it's a, it's gonna be it's a lot of information in there, and uh, I be I became this protector when I would get into relationships. One of my ex girlfriends from high school, my high school sweetheart, we dated for four years, three years in co- three years in high school, one year in college. Year two into our going into our third year of dating, she lets me know. Her dad, her stepdad, had been molesting her since she was nine. Wow. So I say, like, so he he's still doing it? And she was like, yes. Wow. So it's two guys trying to fuck this girl. Yeah. Me and him. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I became, the kid inside of me who had been molested mm-hmm. is like, we can't let this happen to her. We got to protect her at all costs. So I became this protector of her, and I stayed in this relationship because I felt like if I didn't stay in a relationship with her, she would get mistreated. Yeah. So when she first told me, she didn't want to tell her mom. She's like, I don't want to tell my mom. I don't want my mom. I don't want to. Somebody got to know. I said, uh, we got to tell your mom. She's like, don't tell my mom. We went to go see a movie, a movie called Trespass, Bill Paxton. Ice T, Ice Cube. It was a fucking terrible goddamn movie. And that's why I know it. Because I paid for that movie myself in nineteen in 1993. I paid for that movie. Paying for your own movies back in 1993, you got a job at a grocery store. Yeah, You know where all your money is going. You know where it's spent. Because you don't have a lot of it. It has, it has memory to it. And we went to go see Trespass with my aunt, who was dating this guy at the time. It was weird. I'm going on a double date with my aunt. <laughs> and um, this guy's like, you trying to fuck that girl? And I'm like, you trying to fuck my aunt? Like, we both giving each other a look like, who going to get it tonight? Um, and as we're driving home, I whisper, like, I'm going to tell your mom. We got to talk to her tonight. She got scared, grabbed my hand. Walked, I walked into the house. I said, go get your mom. She's like, no, no, no. I said, go get your mom. And her mom was like, what's going on? I said, I need to talk to you. She came around the corner. And I was, she was like, what's she? her mom didn't like me. Her mom didn't like me because I've, you know me, I'm outspoken. I say what I think. I say what I feel. And I don't really have a filter. So her mom didn't like that about me. And she didn't like it that I was like this rebellious kid. They kind of made her daughter think for herself. Yeah. Her mom walked up. She's like, what, what's going on? What can I, what's going on? I said, I need to tell you, we need to tell you something. I'm going to tell you. 
She like, what is it? I said, uh, no hesitation. Your, uh, your husband has been molesting your daughter since she was nine. Her mom looked at me like, what? No, you didn't. No, get out of here. My no, the, like, the, of course. When I say denial, uh, it's like the Kraken came out of the sea size of denial. Like, no, you're crazy. Like, she got mad. Get out of my house. And what is the, your girlfriend doing at the time? Listen, she said, get out of my house. I said, no. I said, because it happened. She's like, you're lying. No, you get out of my house. And I said, no, you can ask her. I turned to my girlfriend. Her mom turned. She's crying. Eyes. Fucking look like New Orleans. The, uh, the fucking levees has burst in her eyes. She's just crying. And her mom like, <gasps> now she's shocked. She's like, what? Is this true? Bitch, she crying. Thank you for telling me. I'll take it from here. And I was like, I don't believe you. So I said, well, I'm going to walk her upstairs. I told my girl, I'm going to walk my girlfriend. I'm going to walk her upstairs, and then I'll leave. And I walked upstairs, and I told her, I said, look, if you need anything, you call me. I'll come back home. I'll come back over here. I'll come get you. If you want to come stay at my place, you can come stay at my place. Like, I'm handling this. Her mom, stepdad, everything. I'm, I'm, I'm 17. I go home. As soon as I get in the house, we back on the phone talking. You okay? What's going on? They downstairs talking. Blah, 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 blah. The next day, we talked on the phone for like three hours, maybe four hours, because she didn't want to go to sleep. She didn't want to be by herself, and I couldn't be there, so she was like, just stay on the phone with me, and we talk. The next day, her mom tells her, you know, tell Moranzio to come over. We want to talk. She was like, my mom said we want to talk. I was like, mm, about what? She was like, I don't know. We'll, I guess we'll find out. All right. I told my mom, I said, I'm going to go over to my girlfriend's house. Went over. Sat on the couch like where you're sitting. We sat on this love seat right here where I'm sitting. And the mom and the dad, stepdad <clears throat> sitting there. And he begins to, uh, the mom says he has something to say to you. And he sits there. Bill, this motherfucker confessed that he had done it. Like he didn't fucking say, "See what happened." The prop, he said, "I got." He just like, "I'm sorry for what I done, dude." If I'd have been a bigger dude, I would have. I, I would have fucked him up. Like I would have fucked him all the way up. He apologized. I'm sorry. I got a problem. I'm gonna get some help. Then, I hope y'all accept my apology. And then the mom's like, do y'all accept his apology? And I was like, it's not making a race thing. If I was a white kid, I would have shot y'all by now. I would have had a gun. I would have shot this whole fucking house up. And me and her would have fucking grabbed some jewelry and a bag. And we would have been natural born killers. Ali Sheedy and goddamn Woody Harrelson <laughs> running around shaking hands with blood on the bridge and just shooting up people. By the way, one of the fucking weirdest movies I've ever seen in my goddamn life. I don't know what the fuck that is. Yeah. That shit should come with like a drug in it so you could be on drug while you're watching it. Because that's the only way it's going to make sense. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck Oliver Stone is on. Um, But I sat there and I looked and I was like, hmm. And then her mom was like, do you accept the apology? And I looked at my girlfriend and she was like, I accept it. And I said, I don't accept it, but I will on on her behalf. Yeah. Mom face got tight like who the fuck are you 
bitch, the one that's going to protect your daughter from y'all because y'all not doing it. Did you say that? No. That was just in your look. Yeah. In my look. I gave it a look like, yeah. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Right? Because I could easily call social services. I think her mom kind of knew that I knew that I could call social services to get them involved. And I don't think she wanted to push me. Yeah. You know, she didn't want to like test to see how far I would go because if I'm willing to come to you and tell you this man's touching your daughter, you don't think I won't do more if I don't get the right results I'm looking for? So months go by. He says, I'm not going to do it again. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get some help, whatever. Eight months go by. Ooh. We're sitting on the phone one night. And she just gets quiet. The first time, Bill, she told me her dad, her stepdad molested her. It took me five hours to get it out of her. We talk, we started on the phone at 11. We got off the phone at 4.30 a.m. It's in 1993. We sit on the phone for five hours, almost five, four and a half hours, talking. Me just trying to be a counselor to get this information out of her. Second time she tells me he's doing it again, it probably took me an hour and a half to get it out of her. So this time, after he said he apologized. Yeah, then- he did it again. He did it again. Here's the crazy part. Imagine you got a two-story house. I'm paint the picture. You got a two-story house. As soon as you go up the steps, the first house, first room on the right is your bedroom, right? Mm-hmm. Is her mother's bedroom. Let me just put it in context. Her mother's bedroom. First house, first room on the right when you first walk up the steps. You got to go all the way down the hall around the corner to get to her bedroom. Her stepdad will walk up the stairs. And make a beeline to the left and go into her bedroom. He has to pass his bedroom to get to that bedroom. He would do that every night. So this was happening every night. Lay in the bed, curl her with her, touch her, funnel her, kiss her, all this shit. And Since she was nine fucking years old. What was the mom doing? Do you think the mom was complicit? Do you think she knew? And just I don't think she knew. So the second time it happened, she told me over the phone. I was like, all right, let me figure out. I'm, uh, let me, I'll say, I said to her, I'll take care of it. And we just sat on the phone. I said, I'll take care of it. Don't worry about anything. Bear in mind, I have not told my mom. None yeah. of this is going on. Truth, and also, also, I didn't tell my mom I was molested yeah. until last year. Wow. On the, I, and I feel like I didn't give her an opportunity to honor the moment. Because I told her as we were going to the airport. She was taking me to the airport and I told her. Because I kind of didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. I just wanted to tell her. And I'm going to get on a plane and phew, I'm going to go away. Had I told her when I first got there, it would have been a whole calling people yeah. tribunal situation. So um, she told me what happened. I said, go to bed. I'll see you tomorrow. Got up the next morning. I was living with my grandmother. I got up. Went over to her house. She's working at Long John Silver. But she didn't have a car. She didn't have a license. She was older than me, too. She just didn't want to drive. And I got up went over to her house. We sat in the house all day. Trying to figure out. It was the summertime. So I was out of school. And we just sat in the house all day. And then we were trying to figure out, you know, what we're going to do. How we're going to take care of this. This You know, this can't keep happening. This has to stop. <clears throat> and then her mom came home. Her mom was like, what are y'all doing here? Why y'all in the house? Whatever. I was like, well, um, he's doing it again. And she was like, what are you talking about? Your husband 
is fucking touching your daughter again. Now this time her mom was like, what? That's crazy. Get the fuck up. What? He got a problem. We got to stop this. Whatever. She like on the hot. I'm getting, we going to stop this motherfucker tonight. Night King going down. The closer it got to him coming home, her tone started to change. Mm. From, we're going to whoop his ass when he walk in the house. Well, maybe we won't whoop his ass. Maybe we just kick him out. Well, maybe we won't kick him out. Maybe we just give him a firm speaking to. <laughs> he came home. We sitting downstairs on the couches again. Same same positions. Same same fucking positions. The mom sitting on the couch by herself. We sitting over here. He comes in. He like, what's going on? Her mom says like this. Are you doing it again? Long pause. I'll be right back. He walks away. Bill, at this point, I'm thinking to myself, one of one of three things is gonna happen. Either gonna, either gonna go upstairs to kill herself, which I'm all for at this yeah. point. Do it, but mm-hmm. I'm still mad because he won't let me help him. <laughs> Two. He come, he going upstairs to get a gun to come down here to kill us. Yeah. Right? Because now it's a problem. Or three, he did what he did, and that was, or four, he could have just left. But he went upstairs, changed clothes, came back down, and he was like, yeah, I got a problem. I'm just looking like, is that is this the answer that's acceptable now? Uh, I got a problem? Is it is it acceptable? It's acceptable, right? A C C E T. Yeah. A B L E. Right. Yeah. Acceptable meaning like, I'll I'll accept that. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, you got a problem. Done. We got it. Problem I always, always I kind of like always trying to figure out what you know how I'm properly using accept and accept. Like yeah, I yeah. accept this. Yeah. Like your homework. This is acceptable. Yeah. Turn in right. That outfit is acceptable. Yeah. But acceptable meaning like. Is this what we're allowing to happen? Is mm-hmm. this like, so, I don't know why I did the grandma thing. But, uh, so, I'm like looking around, and he's like, yeah, I did it again. And he's like, what is your problem? Whatever, like, are we, bitch, that's not the line of questioning. That's not what your problem is, not your question, not, not the next question. First of all, there should be no questions allotted to him. It should be just, get your shit, get the fuck out, or I'm going to kill you. You're going to jail. Those lines of statement should be made. He begins to tell us that he has a problem because his dad used to molest him. Record scratch. Wrong. If your dad molests you, you're not molesting girls. That's not how it works. Yeah. Generally. Mm-hmm. He could be a special case, but I'm sure if the FBI pulled up a dossier of all the motherfucking guys touched boys before, they were touched by men. Yes. You know what I mean? So he was like, yeah, I was touched by a girl. My, my dad touched me when I was a kid or whatever. And it, it, it was such a, it was a throw. I felt it was such like, I got to throw somebody under the bus, so I'm going to mm-hmm. throw my dad under the bus. Because the way he said it, he didn't say like, you know, my dad used to touch me or... You know, my dad used to touch me. It was just like, yeah, man, my dad used to touch me. And I was like, bitch, you can't even get a you can't even get a Razzie award for that. That was terrible fucking acting for terrible fucking acting. <sighs> you gotta leave the house. You said that to him. Her mom her mom said, You gotta leave the house. Okay. She started saying, You gotta leave the house. So he moves out 
goes to live with his mom for a couple of weeks. Right? Her mom allows it. Because her mom was like, I don't want to kick him out and I don't want to split up because we just bought this house together. Oh, God. Ooh. So, I'm going to speed up this story because I know there's more stuff you want to talk about. I mean, no, of course. This is, you know. Um, Her... uh, so um, he's gone for two weeks. But here's the crazy part: it's like if someone, if you say you, you say you have a girl and yeah. y'all live in your place together, yeah. and she's like, "I need you to go away until I figure, you know, I need because you know you're violent or whatever," and you're like, "Okay, I'll go stay at Moranzio's place, but I need to come here to shower." Okay, that's fine. That's what he was able to do. What's the point of kicking him out if he still can come to the he fucking house? Those rights to come back. Yeah, he can sleep at the house. But his mom was like, we let him change clothes and shower here so they won't think there's nothing up. What do you mean his mom won't think there's nothing up? He's sleeping at his mother's house for two fucking weeks, and they're not going to think something's up? Who the fuck are you talking to? I didn't challenge it. I just let it go because something was being done. Something. He moves out for a couple of weeks. He ends up coming back. Her mom says, and we're also going to put a lock on her door. Oh, my. We need to lock her bedroom door so he can't walk in there. Bitch, why are we locking doors and giving her a key to a door so he can't get inside? He's still in the fucking house. If they're home alone, you don't think he would try something? Mm -hmm. What the fuck is really going on? Yeah. And then she said, Moranzio, you can have a key. Bitch, why do I need a key to my girlfriend's bedroom door when I don't have a key to the fucking house? Why do I need a key to her bedroom door if I don't have a key to the fucking house? First of all, put the horse first, bitch, then the cart. That went on. Her mom, uh, she had graduated from high school. And I had just graduated. She she had she had graduated from high school. She was in college, and she only went to college for a semester because her parents couldn't afford. This is your girlfriend. Yeah, she couldn't afford to uh, go to college another semester because dumbass parents bought a house before a child went to college. Any <sighs> financial advisor will tell you, bitch, don't buy a house before your child go to college unless you don't want that child to go to college. So she had the only went to, she only went to school for a semester, and then she got out and she ended up getting a job. And then her mom was like, "I would go get her every day." I had just graduated from high school. But I was doing like this gospel play, like these little plays and going over. Yeah. And I was making money doing that. And I didn't want to go to college because I wanted, I wanted to be an actor. I didn't think I needed to go to college for that. And I was doing this play. And when the play let out, my mom was like, you know, you're going to go to college. I said, I guess I'm going to find out what my girlfriend's going to do because she had just got out of school. And um, I would go pick up every morning and we would just drive around Charlotte because she didn't want to be in the house. She didn't want to be at home. But we didn't have any money to get a place or anything like that. I'm, I'm 18. She's 19. So we just ride around Charlotte. We'd go to museums during the day, walk around the mall. We'd go to a movie theater and just fucking sneak in movies all day long. We'd just pay for one movie, see four, whatever. Like the whole summer's hot. We're just doing stuff. Go to my house when my parents went home. We're just trying to avoid people. We're just trying to live in our own world and not have to deal with people. So one day I go to pick her up because I had a job. And uh, I would go pick her up. And as we're leaving out of the house, her mom comes out of the house. She's like, says to her daughter, do you have a problem uh, staying at home? 
And, how, and she was like, what? Like, you don't, you just come home and sleep and eat and you just leave or you go to work. Like, you ain't never at the house. It took everything to me to be able to be like, bitch, she don't want to be here because there's somebody in the house that's trying to fuck her yeah. that she don't want to be fucked by. That's why she leaves the house every day. Yeah. But her mom didn't see that. Her mom saw, you, you didn't want to be here, then maybe you should leave. So her mom comes out, she's like, maybe you should go away and maybe things will get better. Why don't you join the army? My girlfriend at the time, Bill, 4'11", like old girl, maybe 4'11", 5 foot, yeah. 90 pounds. The gun she was going to hold is bigger than this bitch. Yeah. Right? She said, like, okay, whatever, you know, think about it. And she actually looked into it. Joined the army. Because when I graduated, I told her, I said, look, the money my parents put aside for me to go to college, let's take that money, we get it. A, an apartment and we go to community college I was willing to sacrifice college just to stay with her, in a relationship with her I'm young I'm 18 I don't know any better she's like no no I don't want you to do that she joined the army cause her mom for, her mom kinda like forced her to join the army she joined the army I was miserable I was sick ended up going to college we dated through college she ended up getting stationed in Arizona Bill one day she called me we didn't have a phone in my room in the college. We had a pay phone that everybody used. A communal pay phone. This is before cell phones. It's 1994. Mm-hmm. No cell phone. No, no cell phones. Just pages or whatever. But I don't even think a pager could reach across the fucking country. I think the shit had to be like in your neighborhood. <laughs> but we used to have a calling card. That's how old the story is. We had a calling card that also operated as a credit card. And we had it together. My dad got him for me because he was like he was happy I was going to college and I wasn't trying to pursue comedy. We shared the credit card together. One day she calls me on the payphone. Somebody said, Moranzi, you got a phone call. I'm in my room. I run out, go answer the phone. We talking. She says to me, uh, when are you going to pay the credit card bill? I was like, what's the problem? Said, I just want to get it paid. I said, well, my, my dad was paying it. My dad was paid. We, we good. He'll take care. Can we get it paid now? Because the name was on the card. I like, what you in such a rush to get the card paid for? To turn to a guy, grab the phone out of her hand, and begin to tell me and yell at me and demand that I pay the bill on the credit card immediately. And I'm going back and forth with this guy like, who the fuck are you? Don't worry about who the fuck I am. Pay the bill so she can close this car and get you off of it. I'm like, who the fuck are you? Don't worry about him. Just do what the fuck we asked you to do. She takes the phone back from him. <clears throat> I'm sorry about that. What? What was that? What the fuck was that? That guy said, I'm not your boyfriend no more. What is he talking about? Who the fuck is that? I'm still your boyfriend, right? No, you're not. Bitch, did you just let your new boyfriend tell your old boyfriend that you don't have the old boyfriend anymore? I had another guy tell me that the girl I'd been with for four years wasn't my girlfriend anymore. And had you been like committed and monogamous? And no, for, I did not fuck nothing in high school. Wow. And the freshman year of college because I was being faithful. When I say I got off of pussy in high school, I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. I got off of pussy in high school. I didn't give up. I didn't, did not step out at all. Yeah. 
I took the payphone. I'm just smashing this bitch. I'm trying to murder this phone. I can't smash it down any harder. And everybody like came out of their room like, what the fuck is going on? Mind your fucking business. I'm cussing everybody out. Football players, not football players, basketball players, tall dudes. I'm just cussing everybody out because I'm not, I'm not realizing I'm five, five, and this dude is 16. And he could just take me and throw me outside. I'm smashing the phone. Fuck it. I went in my room, Bill, and I probably cried for seven days. Seven days I cried. I cried for seven days because I couldn't believe what had happened. I had literally put myself in a position where I'm like trying to take care of somebody, keep them safe, love them, do right by you, and you broke over me. You had another guy tell me. Tough pill to swallow. Tough pill to swallow. And at, at a young age. My mom never knew that she got molested. I never told my mom she was molested. Because I think my mom, I know my mom would have probably told me to get out of that situation. I was handling all this adult shit by myself. Yeah. Bill, I didn't start drinking alcohol until 30. I never did weed or any drug. Still haven't done any drug other than weed, but. The first drug I ever did was weed, and I did that at 38. Wow. I have walked through life sober for the most part. Tone the line. I literally did not do any fucking drug. Dude, I literally, I think, like, when I say drink alcohol, like, understand what alcohol was at 30. The first drink I ever had was a wine cooler <laughs> for my 21st birthday. Bartle and James? Bartle and Jay, uh, uh, singers or something. It was like Snap or something. I don't know. It was some shit. But for my 21st birthday, I had 21st birthday. I had a, uh, a wine cooler. That was it. I didn't. I never like. I never liked beer. I don't like beer. Beer did nothing for me. But I was never a drinker because I didn't. I didn't. I didn't like. I didn't like the way it tastes or whatever. Then I turned 30, and I had like probably. Six bad relationships between high school girlfriend and 30 that really made me say. That's when we were talking when you said about the. Can I say Tucker Max on here? Of course you can say Tucker Max. Why, why couldn't you? Because you work with him, right? I don't work with him anymore. He's a yeah. dick. So I had gone through a lot of bad relationships. And I wanted to talk to you about it too. So um, this book I'm writing. It's something like, not his, but just me explaining the story, the relationships I've been in. Mm -hmm. No glorification of me getting over on anybody. Just I pursued love because I was trying to find somebody to recreate the world my mother and father had for me and my brother before they separated. Yeah, I wanted that and I had been trying to acquire it since elementary school like I would be talking about marriage in like the sixth grade because I was like my pom my mom and dad was married I want to get married love you we make kids and we love them but but we stay together because that is where the good stuff is so from 
elementary school up until like 32, I was chasing the recreation of life Yeah, for me until I just had a bad breakup. And I was like, I became, and I'm trying to make it a word. It may not ever become a word, but I wanted to write a book about how to love like androidly. Androidly. Yes. Is that is that sort of like robotically? Yeah. Yeah. Like Android. Mm-hmm. But just androidly where you're like, I just do it because I've been programmed to do it. This is what I need to do to get the job done. Yeah. Love like that so you can get the emo- like you can get the intimacy of it, but not have to put your heart into it. Yes. Cause when your heart I th- I think like I understand when a woman's hurt. I do. I mm-hmm. get it. And it's hard to say this because we live in this fucking of please don't offend me society. It's harder for a man when he goes through a breakup because a man in a relationship is almost like he's relinquishing some power to mm-hmm. say, I'm going to make myself vulnerable to you and let you see who I really am which some of this may be soft and I'm willing to allow myself to let you see me be soft. When a man does that and it's not appreciated, you, you're creating a monster. Mm-hmm. You're, you're creating a monster by not appreciating that this, this barbaric creature has somehow made itself docile enough to love you soft enough so you don't feel like you're a piece of meat. And I don't think people think about that. No, they don't. I agree. So now I am 43. Never been married before, like I said before in the shows. But you have kids, yeah? Two kids. And uh, I have a daughter who's 20 who's not talking to me. And a son who's seven. They're both in North Carolina. The reason I have a seven-year-old son, and I also may have a middle son that I don't know anything about. And it's sad to say that I may have a middle son somewhere that I'm not sure how about. Do you, how do you know that? I dated a girl that was in New York, and um, she said she was pregnant, and then she got pregnant. But I wasn't sure if it was mine, and then we like kind of broke up. Mm-hmm. And I never bothered to, like, because the way we broke up, I was like, I need to stay the fuck away from this bitch. Yeah. So there's a chance I may have a son out there. And I'll be honest, because you were, you're a dad, too. You understand it. You pay child support, right? Long story, but yes, to a degree. I had to pay child support. Child support is a bitch. Mm. I was paying child support for my daughter, and I have a younger son. I'm kind of like, I don't even give a fuck if I do have a third one, because I can't afford it. Yeah. Like, I'm not being mean. Just, I'm being honest. Like, even if I do have another son out there... I can I can't afford the ones I have, which are my fault that I created them, and I'm not gonna give up pursuing my dream. So I don't need to add another expense, yeah, or whatever. Well, Plus, it's very possible that you don't have a child, and that she it is. I'm gonna go with the very possible. I don't. I like your positive. I mean, on, on some level, this may sound bad, but it's kind of her responsibility to let you know. If that's the case, her responsibility to let me know her responsibility. Her responsibility to try to find me and say, "Look, you need to be here" or whatever. But 
both my all my kids are in North Carolina. Um, my son's mother, she got pregnant on purpose. Like she had been in a relationship with somebody for ten years, and she thought she was gonna get married. And the guy was like, "I'm not gonna marry you." And she basically tried to pick up with me where she left off. We date, and the crazy part is, she's my junior high school girlfriend. Wow. And she got pregnant on purpose because after we got through having sex, she says to me, "I quote." I haven't taken my birth control in five days, but I should be okay. End quote. Wow. And the day I called her to break up with her was the day she told me she was pregnant. I mm. swear to God, I wish I was making this up. I, like, I believe it, yeah. The shit I go through, my daughter's mother wanted to get married, and I didn't want to marry her. But I didn't tell her I didn't want to marry her because she was not supportive. She didn't believe. When I wanted to move to, like, I helped her graduate from college. Like she, when she was in college, I worked, I worked at Best Buy. I worked at, do I had three jobs. I worked at Best Buy. I worked at Hardee's, which is slash Carl Jr.'s. And I worked at, uh, the health department in Charlotte, North Carolina, registering Hispanic patients. That was my job. I had three fucking jobs. I helped her graduate from college. Like she graduated from college. And then when she graduated, I was like, yo, I want to move to LA to pursue comedy. She like, Yeah. Let's just keep comedy as a hobby. Ugh. You can't open your ass up and shit on my dream. Now I don't like you no more. Yeah. Because you don't believe in me. And I must, we can't be together. Dude, she went out and bought herself an engagement ring and told people I bought it for her and that we were getting married. And I didn't know anything about it. And she bought the ring from Walmart. And I was like, why do I got to be cheap in this situation? <laughs> you know? This imaginary engagement proposal. Yeah, yeah. And she told my mom that I bought the ring. Well, she basically told my mom, he got me this ring. My mom like, my son ain't got no money for no ring. What are you talking about? <laughs> she said, well, I bought it. He's going to pay me back later. Oh, God. Yeah, dude. You got, you definitely have several books. Um, Do I miss, look at me. I know it sounds cliche-ish because I'm a comic. But I promise you, I'm never going to do it. Never gonna do it, and we're probably gonna end right here. How long have we been talking? We've been talking, yeah, because I definitely I, I feel like this is amazing. We need to come back, and I want we have to have a second. We have to have a second one. How long have we been talking? It's been about an hour. You still gotta do my podcast. I still want to do your podcast. Yeah. So I'll be full. You, 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 by the way, there will be similarities that you won't know about that will might blow you away. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest. I didn't think I was for a long time, but then I, you know, I uh, was I was I was in a relationship with a girl for four years. Recently, my 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 four probably three. We went to couples counseling to work on our relationship because I wasn't desiring her anymore sexually, mm -hmm. mainly because just her her. Uh, inconsistencies and this, un this unstable life that she was things she was doing without making it making her attractive we went to couples counseling to work on our relationship she told the counselor some stuff that she was working on and her dad wasn't around and blah 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 and then we started talking about our relationship Bill, the counselor, or the psychiatrist, therapist, or whatever, looked at me. No one's ever asked me before. Ever looked at me and asked me. No one. I've been around. I've been around scholars. 
warlocks and fucking witches and sorcerers and fucking scientists. No one's ever looked at me and said this. The lady said to me, can I ask you a question? You don't have to answer if you want to. I was like, yeah, what's up? Have you been molested before? And I was like, this bitch sees me. Like, she, like, sees me. And I was like, yeah. My girlfriend couldn't handle it. Broke up with me. On the spot? Not on the spot, but, like. But just couldn't. Probably, like, three weeks later. Wow. It was too much for her to handle. But we came to air shit out. I thought that was what the that thought was a safe space. Yeah. Man. Together three years. Three years. And she was like, I don't like this. You got too much baggage. I was like, What? God. We came because you have baggage, but my baggage is more than your baggage. <laughs> so it yeah. Wasn't, it wasn't matching luggage, so she couldn't relate and she couldn't be with Yeah, it's fucked up. So all that to say is um, two things. I'm going to say two things. I'm going to say the good first, then the bad. I think you're smart. I think you're super smart. There's some self-sabotage about you, mm-hmm. but you're smart. And I don't know if it's because... Is white guilt like I don't want to be good because I'm white? I, they don't, we don't need another great white guy. I don't know because you have your daughter and you was, you know, it's not it didn't pan out the way mother and father and daughter shit happened like my situations. I don't know if you just have like a ancestral like we just can't do good, <laughs> but you're smart. I see you. For who you are, and I told you that when we were at the Laugh Factory in Long Beach, you're very intelligent. You ha- you have a book, you have books in you that you can write. You could be a uh, a consultant on a TV show that has something to do with dating and relationships, or just social awareness. Like you're smart. Like you're you're way smarter than your jokes. Sometimes, I like a lot of time. I think you just coasting just to get the laugh. It's medicine. Yeah, but you're smart. Fucking way smarter than the car you're playing right now, and I believe that wholeheartedly. So I'm saying to you on your podcast, I'm working on something. I would like to work with you and put you in a position to fucking be that guy that I think you should be. I don't give a fuck what nobody say. Like, why are you helping the white guy? I don't give a fuck. I want to work with people that's smart. That I feel, I see talent. That's what I do. But I do want to work with you in a capacity. Relationships, dating, social, stuff like that, uh, behavior. Second thing, because of everything I've been through, and this is just, that's just 20, what I just told you today on this podcast, probably 20% of what I've been through. Yeah. I probably think about suicide twice a week, literally twice a week. I've thought about it twice already and the week has just started. Sunday morning I thought about it because my daughter's not talking to me and I wasn't going to get a phone call from her. Granted, Father's Day is a superficial made-up day that's pushed by big business to sell shit. I get it. (laughs) Still, everybody else is getting it. Mm -hmm. Two, my son's mother is such a fucking, this Cambodian cunt. 
is such a piece of shit. She let the whole day go by before she allowed my son to call me like around five West Coast time. So it's eight o'clock on that side. She's remarried. So that means the guy she's married to got to hear my son tell him happy Father's Day before he told his real father. Tough pill to swallow, Bill. Then I thought about the fact that I'm single and I'm married, but I don't think I want to be married, but I'm single. I'm living in this fucking apartment. I'm funnier than a lot of people that I fucking perform with. And I don't want to count other people's chickens and look at other people's plates, but money could probably fix both our problems mm-hmm. or any problem we've ever had. So I just sat on my couch. And I won't take meds. I won't like them in or whatever the fuck drugs. I'm just not going to do it. I just deal. Like I, I do edibles now. Mm-hmm. Microdosing. I do. Some days I just hit it hard. I, I have, I, I have done, I've never done over 50, 50 milligrams at one time. Cause I did one time I did 50. I just cried for like two hours. I don't know what the fuck. Like I was like, I kept feeling like I was going to be stuck like that. Like I was fucked up. Bad, bad trip. Bad trip, and yet, and still, I want. Not only, I'm not gonna do Molly, and I'm not gonna do ecstasy, but I am gonna do mushrooms, probably this summer, because I've I've heard there's something good, and then DMT I've heard about that I want to try. I will do DMT with you. It's rough, right? I've never done it. I want to do DMT, dude. I'll do it with you. I've never done it, but I'll I, do it with you. I heard it's a fucking like the first. It's like 15 minutes of just fucking amazing funk. You see the world like. We look at the world the way Neo sees the world, like as fucking dots. Yeah, the matrix and shit. So I've never done that before, but I do want to do DMT and mushrooms. um, And I want to do ayahuasca. And I actually want to do it in Peru. I don't want to do it in. With a shaman. Yes, I want to do it with somebody who's done it before, not somebody that fucking. I don't want to be like yoga, where you learned it from somebody else (laughs) and brought it to America and modernized it. No. Yeah. But yeah. I told you a lot tonight. You did, man. Listen, Maranza, we are going to have another part. And the second podcast is going to be goofy, fun, comedy stuff. Maybe. This, this was rough. By the way, man, it's amazing. It, it, this is what this is. Look, when I started this podcast and I looked at a lot of podcasts and people were like wacky and all this shit, I realized this is what I like. This right. is the stuff that because I've always had social anxiety. I've had, you know, we can talk about it on yeah. the podcast, but... um. But I've always been really curious about about the human condition and people and people that I like. I'm right. always kind of I wonder why I like them and wonder why I re- I've always I've related to you in ways that I didn't, wasn't even aware of until now. Right. Let me put it that way. Um, so how about we sign off from this one? We get to yours and we'll do another part. Yeah, and let me time. know what I'm promoted and everything. And- yeah, man, this is amazing, Bronzo. And by the way, if you guys, you know. Check out Maranzio. He, he's he's one of my absolute favorite comics. And you're and I will all say this, man. You're just there's no one else like you out there, man. You are completely one of a kind. I wish I felt like that. You really are, man. And it's and it's amazing to watch. And I have a little bit of jealousy and and, and hmm. admiration attached to it. So you went to the you went to Columbia and ran around with gorillas <laughs> and militia. So I'm jealous of that. I can't even lead a country. That's amazing. <laughs> all right, well, we're gonna sign off. This is the end of part one with Maranzio Vance. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs>